The following is a presentation of the Speed Sport Podcast Network. Kyle Busch won the season opener at Talladega. DeGroot was second. He's the reigning champion. It's the iRacers Download, where reality meets the virtual world of auto racing. Cardwell hoping it stays green. He nearly spins it around. Who's it going to be, Cardwell, Berkeley, or someone else? iRacing's executive director, Dale Earnhardt Jr. I think that NASCAR is starting to see the value and the opportunities that can present themselves working with iRacing. From the Speed Sport Podcast Studios, powered by My Race Pass, here are your hosts, Justin Prince and Taylor Burris. Welcome to another episode and a special edition part two episode of the iRacers Download on the Speed Sport Podcast Studio, powered by My Race Pass. Justin Prince here along with me, Taylor Burris. Our producer is Richard Colbreth as we are going to continue part two of our eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series Championship playoffs that kick off here in a week's time. And of course, we will also dive into the news of the week regarding the week 13 and all the great goodies that we receive here this week on iRacing. Of course, Justin, though, we have a very special guest joining us as part of a continuation of our championship playoffs that we will be seeing here for the eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series. Driver for Junior Motorsports, it is none other than Michael Conti, who is placed third in the championship right now with his two career wins, four top five, and an average finish of 17th this season. Michael Conti joins us on the IRD. Welcome back, Michael. Hey, thanks. Glad to be here. Of course. Well, first and foremost, it's been probably a exciting season to see you coming in this season with two wins already at some very interesting and amazing tracks. What has been this new season like with the new cars going through all of these different changes that we're seeing here? And what could you say compare this to maybe last season, what the differences or similarities were? Well, I think we talked about about this earlier in the year when I was on the show, um, the preparation that I did along with several of my teammates during the off season and the months leading up to that, to learn the next gen car ahead of its debut in the eNASCAR Coke series. I think that paid, paid off, uh, in a big way for us. It seemed like we were able to roll out of the gate, Daytona with a lot of speed. And then, as you mentioned, we won in a couple, couple tracks earlier this year at Vegas and Richmond, completely different from one another, but we're still able to shine, uh, at both types of tracks. So year started off really good. I think our prep work, uh, was, was where it needed to be. Obviously throughout the year, a lot of the teams have, um, caught up and they've figured things out and they've learned the car with us. And I think in the middle of the season, we might've fallen behind just a bit, but, um, coming off of Darlington, although the, the result isn't indicative of the speed we had, we had a really fast car, um, arguably a race winning car. So I'm feeling really good about that. And I think going into Bristol uh, next Tuesday, we should have a a really good shot at that one as well. Of course, everyone is looking forward to Bristol Motor Speedway. We've been seeing a lot of great racing action here coming up, utilizing, of course, a new update. Of course, we saw the iRacing service. How does that feel now that we've had a week or week with a new build? You know, a couple of things might have possibly changed for the new next gen cars. Is there any issues or concerns when that time rolls around, especially now in the playoffs? No, I don't really think anything changed with the cup car. I know they, they put out an update um, with the the way the car and the arrow interacts with the wall when you're up close to it. So that might be a little bit different. But as far as a, a car standpoint with regard to the tires and the suspension and the arrow of the car, I don't think there's really anything there that's uh, forced us to change the setup in any way. So we did some testing before the build came out. 
We then backed uh, backed it up with some testing after the update, and the lap times and the and the characteristics of the car were, were generally the same. So I think we're good there. Um, but obviously, you know, we're we're looking for everything. We're we're leaving no stone unturned to see if there is anything that might have come out in that build that wasn't exactly uh, disclosed in the notes, but maybe just snuck through. Maybe a different setup works now that didn't necessarily work before so it's a lot of again prep it's a lot of going back through our notes a lot of going back through telemetry and just revisiting some old ideas that didn't work a couple weeks ago a couple races ago and then you know retrying them and reassessing if they've gotten any better but um luckily for us like i said i think we've made great strides with our with our cars the last couple races so with the with the build seemingly not changing the car too terribly much i think uh that puts us in a good spot going into the first playoff race the interesting thing about this season when you mix in everything as well not factoring the wins is only one driver averaged to finish inside the top 10 how would you describe that how do i describe whiplash almost feel between some of the back and forth on average finishes where yes there's been many drivers with a lot of top five top tens but a majority of your chase field or playoff field should say is all in the mid-teens in terms of the average finish in terms of where they've been able to consistently run when you average out the finishing order per race. Yeah, I think you make a good point with that. I attribute a lot of that to the to the shortening of the races and the the shorter races as we had expected as definitely they have definitely increased um, the level of competition throughout the event. There's a lot less give and take. Um, there's a lot more aggression and, and there's a lot more risk being taken because if you don't take the risk that lap, you know, you may not get the opportunity to do it again with the race being so short. The opportunities are, are much less than they were a year ago, two years ago, three years ago. I mean, it, it seems like the races have gradually gotten a bit shorter over time, but this year is definitely the, the biggest step to shortening them up. So I, I know for us personally, we've, we've, we have had a top five to ten car uh, every race i'd say this year and yeah i mean there's a couple races there where maybe we didn't qualify so great and we put ourselves in the middle of the field and weren't able to make up ground because of that but honestly as i'm sitting here saying that i don't really recall a race that went exactly that way it seems like when we haven't gotten that win or the top 10 this year um, because apparently we only have four top 10 so that's that's pretty crazy i didn't even know that but when we're not winning and we're not top tenning, we're finishing horribly. I mean, 30th, 35th, 40th. I mean, Darlington, we got absolutely <laughs> screwed um, with that last caution with five to go. And we went from running third uh, to getting wrecked and finishing 35th or 36th, whatever it was. So, um, you know, and that's just outside of our control. And that's that's something I can't lose sleep over. But in a playoff race, that would certainly that is certainly something that concerns me because we could do everything right. We get the fastest car, we get the best pit stops. But if we somehow get caught up in somebody else's mess or in one of these wrecks, um, you know, that's going to definitely put us in the back foot with a with a very short uh, first round of this playoffs. Huge point brought up, of course, with what we've discussed with a couple of the drivers as well, with what you've discussed trying to get yourself to clean runs through all this. It's not an easy schedule to do it. It's, yeah, Bristol, which can be known for some contact. You have Talladega. That's a story in of itself from last run, that Talladega. And then you have Homestead, which 
you give a lot of space in terms of running but only 100 laps to determine who goes off to Phoenix. How do you try and plan that out in turn knowing you've got one race where chaos can reign, one race where anything can happen, and then you have Homestead? It's definitely... Um... It's a tough, it's a tough variety of tracks in this first round. Um, and outside of Homestead, there, there's a lot that's going to happen that's going to be outside of your control at Bristol and then especially Talladega. So to answer your question, the best thing we can do is qualify well. Um, that's mainly talking about Bristol. You know, put ourselves up front, get a good pit stall that's close to the end of pit road, and and hope that you know the cautions fall properly obviously need the speed in the car to maintain the track position and then just executing all night, getting onto pit road aggressively and efficiently getting into the pit box really well. And then, you know, getting out of the pit box. Well, it's all of these things that we oftentimes overlook um, when we're just, you know, racing for the fun of it. But when you're in a field with 39 other people and that's separated by two, maybe three tenths at most, and sometimes less, every tenth of a second that you can find in in the craziest of places and most of that would be on pit road um, you've got to take that you've got to acknowledge it and you've got to work on it leading up to darlington we spent uh at least two hours just practicing getting onto pit road for a green flag pit entry stopping in the box as best as possible and then launching from the box as best as possible and i felt really good going into darlington then we get into the race and uh, our pit box was not exactly uh, right. So our, our pit sign was over the white line and the pit box was like in the middle of two pit stalls. So long story short, that was screwed up and we had horrible pit stops because of it. But like I said, that's that's outside of our control. There's nothing we can do, but we put the prep in to maximize our potential in pit road. And that's what we'll have to continue to do throughout the playoffs to try to control our own fate. Talladega is going to be nuts. We'll try to do what we did last year and separate ourselves from the field, but you can only play that trick on people so many times before they figure that out. So I think that hand's been played. And then Homestead, I feel really good about that. I think our intermediate um, setup has been really, really good this year. I know Dead Zone's got a lot of speed there as well, and they've built on that throughout the year. But um, you can definitely control your own destiny there. You can do a lot of things to separate yourself. So the hope is to go into Homestead and have a good amount of points and not have to win, but as I've seen the last five seasons now, uh, you can plan this out as much as you want, but it's never going to go exactly to plan. Well, I do remember one thing for certain, Michael, was the first time you came on here, you felt like this is the season where you could go and fight for a championship and even win the championship. Looking back over your season now and, of course, our last race at Darlington, do you still feel like you have what it takes to go and win this championship? Absolutely do. I I, I certainly do. and. Um, <clears throat> I'm cautiously optimistic because of, you know, how much chaos there's been this year. Um, you know, we all knew that it was going to be a, a bit more, uh, uh, chaotic than years past with the, with the shorter races, but I didn't expect to get, uh, caught up in as many wrecks as I have this year. So that's definitely given me a little bit more to worry about going into the playoffs, but from a performance standpoint, from an ability standpoint, from an execution standpoint, uh, I do still believe that I am driving as as well as I have in any season I've run uh, in this series, and I think that with the with the right setups, with the right um, with the right luck, and that's a lot of it. 
uh, you know, we can definitely be there going into Phoenix with a shot for the championship. And uh, it would, it would mean a heck of a lot to me to win a second championship. It's that, that second championship has eluded so many people so far uh, in the Coke series and uh, going into the playoffs, uh, Nick and myself are the two that have the opportunity to get that uh, elusive second championship in the series. So definitely eyes on the prize, going to do everything we can to, to win that championship. Um, and I think we're off to a great start. I think Bristol is going to be really strong for us again. Can't stress it enough. Just have to hope that uh, the luck and the brakes go our way. And if they do, I think, uh, I think you'll see that eight car at Phoenix one way or another. Michael, before we let you go, we have to give you the chance to tell ask people where to go and follow you throughout the rest of the season as we come closer towards kicking off and crowning a champion here and concluding the 2022 season as we look ahead to the amazing and exciting playoffs that are about to kick off. For sure. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at MikeConti5. Uh, outside of that, uh, definitely check out my sponsor's website, uh, sponsored by WR1 Sim Chassis, uh, manufactures some of the best Sim Chassis, Sim Rigs in the market, so definitely check them out. Uh, they've been on our car for a couple seasons now, and Chad Wheeler uh, has been a big supporter of, of our efforts and the series as it's blossomed and grown uh, through COVID and now post-COVID. So definitely give WR1 Sim Chassis some love. Follow me on my Twitter, um, and I hope to... Talk to you guys uh, before Phoenix going into the final four or after Phoenix uh, coming away with the championship. Hopefully the next time we talk, uh, we've got something really good to talk about. Certainly we'll have to agree with you on that. That is Michael Conti, driver for the number eight over at Junior Motorsports. We will see him, of course, competing at Bristol next Tuesday, which is, of course, going to be falling on the 13th of September as he kicks off the playoff round at Bristol for the 2022 E-NASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series. Coming up at break, more discussions regarding the championship playoffs as well as the build week here on iRacing. You're listening to the iRacers download from the SpeedSport podcast Podcast studios powered by my race pass welcome back to the iRacers download from the speedsport studio powered by my race pass justin prince alongside taylor burris with our producer richard colbreth as we continue this week's edition of the iRacers download and it comes in at the start of season four for 2022 for iRacing's respective seasons which means it's a brand new build and which means there's some new content to talk about. There's a lot to talk about in terms of the little things that have been adjusted tailor this build. There are some new things, though, that join in with those little things that make it a somewhat big build. If you're a fan of a couple different aspects of the service. Certainly is. And well, let's talk about some of the new things that iRacing has just released. Of course, the first thing is we do get a little bit of free content for those of you who are interested in getting something for free as Norway's oldest motor racing circuit, the Rudskogen Motor Center, joins the iRacing family as it is a free circuit. So that means for those of you who are either utilizing just the base content or coming on and being a part of iRacing for the first time, you get to have the chance to drive this amazing, beautiful circuit, I would have to say, that provides a lot of great entertainment and it's really good for lower-powered race cars as well as touring cars, small-powered GT cars, and, of course, the open-wheel cars, such as your Formula 4s, as well as even also the Skip Barber cars. 
Yeah, we talked about it a little bit with that racetrack last time all of the iRacers download. I think it's good to have a unique circuit like that and have that also be something to add immediately into the rookie levels because it's not that big of a road course in terms of its layout. It provides more opportunities for drivers to have something different to race upon. And in turn, it provides a good environment, I think, for drivers to learn different aspects of, say, hard-breaking zones or the medium-speed corners. So that's something you have to consider potentially as well is, is it a good track for someone coming up to the ranks to learn? And the answer is yes. It certainly is. I mean, this two this two mile circuit is going to provide a lot of great racing action, no matter where you are located, as far as what level you are, whether you're a rookie or an A class driver for this 14 turn circuit. I get a little mix of a couple of different circuits in mind because if you look from turn one all the way to about turn eight, you kind of get the East Suzuka course style of racing, and then through certain other areas, you get also a lot of long straightaways and hard braking zones that will provide some great racing action, no matter where you are on the circuit the interesting part of the racetrack is that section with the armco barrier to the right and then you have those rock fixtures that a few people thought were certain hill climbs originally just cutting through the landscape in terms of where what longer straightaways are on the racetrack to be able to set things up around the track but remember this is a world-renowned redesign done by herman tilke in terms of having that prestige of having that extra balance which Brings in a bit of the familiarity from Air Circuits. He also redesigned, mind you. But that mix of straightaways and technical sections, I think, is a good mixture for an up-and-coming circuit. Or rather, better way to phrase it is a circuit for up-and-comers on iRacing to get used to knowing one of the top circuits in terms of its region. In fact, Norway's oldest asphalt racing circuit. It certainly is. Of course, some other great tracks that have been released also on this build is, of course, the Motorsports Arena, the Oshlaben, who is a world-renowned racing circuit of 2.2 miles located in Germany with a total of four configurations. Unfortunately, those for the who are interested in looking for a good deal, this track here is, of course, going to be a paid track that you have to go out there and buy. But it hosts a wide variety of long-time endurance racing, GT, DTM, and for the first time, the NASCAR Wheeling Euro Series will make its debut in 2023, as well as also motorcycle racing and much, much more. But a great circuit, four unique layouts for people to go out there and try on this circuit. Your thoughts on this circuit being added to the iRacing family, Justin? I think there's a need for more European circuits especially with the way the town base is for the road course side. There's a lot of road courses that need to be touched upon, and it's a good start, I think, for the region to bring an extra German circuit to the facilities available for competitors to race upon. And I think it's going to be a track where we see a fair bit of activity at in turn throughout the iRacing seasons from here on forward. It certainly is going to be one that's going to be very exciting to see on the circuit for people to go and try out. Well, from two very unique and different and technical road course, we get down and dirty to another great circuit, a great dirt racing track. Lucas Oil Speedway joins the iRacing family, and this one's been talked about for quite some time. The just about short of a half mile or almost a little over a quarter mile dirt track over in Missouri provides some great racing action and of course home to some of the biggest short track dirt track events across the country Lucas Oil Speedway provides and of course it's great to see this circuit finally added to the iRacing family Justin. Yeah this racetrack opened since 2001 actually so it's a fairly newer circuit used to be known as Wheatland Raceway before 
the sponsorship from Lucas Oil came into play. But of course, to having a racetrack such as this adds that extra depth that's needed for the dirt side. It's a racetrack that has been considered by many as one of the top five in the country for the United States. The diamond of racetracks for a reason as well. Some of those series, keep in mind, include the Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series. You have Midget Nationals competition. You have ASCS Sprint Cars that make the way forward to the racetrack. A multiple variety of types of circuits come around this facility. And remember in real world, it also just so happens to have some racing boat facilities around the property as well as dirt track action. So it opens up those floodgates to potential opportunities down the line, of course. Keep in mind, this racetrack has seen some expansions in recent years as recently as six years ago. It certainly has, and it's going to provide a great storyline and great outline for probably one of our amazing upcoming world championships, the World of Outlaws Car Quest Sprint Car Championship that will happen later on this winter. Safe to say we will see that circuit added on to the championship sense of its newness as well as one of the new tracks that will provide some great racing action. I think so adds that extra bit of layer of differences in terms of different venues that I think the series can say. And it's getting to where you can almost get to a rotation of them now, Taylor, where it's very difficult to have a repeat date that we've seen a couple times to pass in that series. Certainly is, as well as also the chance to where every season now on the when it comes to a new season with iRacing, we can guarantee at least every single track can be related to at least going there once for the Dirt Series and possibly where we will have to skip one per season by the sound of it. Yeah, it's definitely intriguing to say, but I think it's definitely an improvement in terms of that dirt racing depth that fans like to see. They want more dirt content chomping to the bit for it if you look across social media. It certainly is now for everyone who's been excited to see. It's the new car that iRacing released, and it's a first ever for iRacing, as iRacing will now be one of the many now simulated series and simulators that has an electric vehicle. And what better way than to partner with a very prestigious brand that has partnered with iRacing throughout the few years, the Porsche Mission R, Porsche's first all-electric GT racing car, and the first ever electric car to come onto the iRacing. Of course, this is based off of the Porsche 911 GT3 Cup car, and of course, though, in terms of performance, this car is far exceeds any of the Porsche GT3 cars. Over 1,000 horsepower and about speeds over 300 kilometers per hour. It's a very fast race car. Keep in mind, since its debut of showing back in 2021, lots of hype built up in terms of this respective competitor, uh, where it's going to race. It's been talked about as a potential customer motorsports car. In terms of their own website, they mentioned that specifically is the vision of what they want those cars to be. The interesting thing is going to be how it in turn races on the iRacing service as a whole down the, as the line continues. Many different competitors in terms of what they posted in terms of Reddit, if you look on social media even, have flocked to this race car really wanting this car and really wanting to be able to race this car around the iRacing circuits. I will say I've talked to a couple of people, both those who are used to the real road course or road course racing and those who just race road course racing for fun. And they say this car will change the game when it comes to road course racing on the iRacing service with the GT cars, because one, 
There's no shifting of gears. You only got one gear and you're gone pretty much. Acceleration is absolutely bonkers with this car, first and foremost. Getting up to 60 miles an hour in less than three seconds, 2.5 seconds to be exact. And, of course, the interesting thing is it's going to provide different strategy because of how the car recharges, as well as how you will have to go about saving the battery life on this car, especially for these styles of endurance racing. Yeah, that's something brought up, of course, last week before this car came out to those drivers and the competitors across the iRacing service. I think it brings a different type of racing in terms of that factor a bit. But it also, I think, is going to be a pretty popular car as a whole in its early stages with how it could race, especially since this car brings that different aspect. And you never know how things could play out as time builds up on the service. After all, it was the car that at the same time kind of debuted the new racetrack that we just talked about in Germany. It certainly did, but of course, I have to say this car will definitely be quite very utilized when it comes to the Porsche Tag Heuer Esports Super Cup Series. I would have to say, at least for their celebrity pro-am race that will be happening before the pros go out there on the circuit, for sure. But who knows, maybe down the road, we may see this car be the car that replaces the 911 GT3 Cup car based off of the 992 model that we currently see racing in the Porsche Tag Heuer Esports Super Cup. Well, it's the future of racing, right? Eventually, cars you would expect move to electric as a whole. There are different states in the United States regulating. They only want certain types of cars on the streets by the 2030s. I know that strays a far bit from the motorsports side of it, but that's the, where the future of automotive industry creativity goes, is expected to go, I should say is towards electric vehicles. So it, this is amongst the first on the iRacing service. I don't think it will be the last, not even for a long shot. I wouldn't be surprised to see more electric vehicles of this type be brought to the service so people can get a hold of this car in the virtual world before they get the chance in the real world to see how I it think, races. I think the biggest thing now, since we saw something from Porsche release the Mission R, and of course, now with how the world of sports car racing has continued to evolve over the past few years, especially now with the new LMDH and, of course, the GTP or hypercar platforms that are about to release that have that hybrid power system, it's safe to say possibly, especially the partnership that iRacing, Porsche, and even BMW have, Justin, I say it's safe to say maybe not now, but in the famous words of iRacing, hashtag soon, we could possibly even see those cars joining the ranks here on the iRacing service. It wouldn't be a long shot, and keep in mind, it's going to be interesting how the future lays out racing as a whole with electricity, with so much talk about it in different series in terms of how they include electrification in the respective cars and hybrid aspects. That's very complex, obviously, to talk about, but it's something down the line to consider. Now, I want to change the gears, the topics a bit, Taylor, myself here for a bit, because it is a bit of a segue into there is a bit of an update reported for the damage system that just so happens to involve energy that's been talked about as well. And the damage model, of course, is a major talking point when it comes to that. That means some adjustments going from instead of raw impulse magnitude, it's now down to impact energy. And for those who do not know, essentially... How that works with the energy, it matches up depending on what the speed is of the car in terms of the prior state damage accumulated as well. 
in this model. It's now possible to cause breakage due to a prolonged smaller impact over time, as in you hit the wall 17 times in the same spot, sometimes you might not get any damage. You hit that 17 times tail or over the course of the time, there's a chance based on that language it might break. And I think there's a couple thoughts that go in the mind, including that fact where you have that where previous would only happen when it was beyond the force of it being broken. It certainly is, and that's just one of the amazing things that iRacing is utilizing and trying to do to bring the realism to the service to where people can be like, have, they have to race cleanly and take care of these cars when out there racing, just like they would if they were racing them in the real world. Exactly, and that's the critical part of that, where it's, in terms of how this plays out, you have to be make, able to make sure you don't accumulate multiple bits of damage to the race car to where it's going to build some touch aware in that in turn. Essentially, it also has a few fixes on that regard, which are critical in terms of making sure the damage doesn't go hyperextension or anything on that in terms of its various links. So that's something that's on the positive side. It, keep in mind, the new Porsche Mission R does have that damage model as well as some various other tweaks that I think are going to be helpful for fans on the service. Take, for example, new bumper-to-bumper -bumper artwork updates for the Lotus 79 and the Arkham and Art Chevrolet and Palin on the service. It certainly is. And, of course, some of these are a little bit of a minute updates as well for those who are kind of curious. But they are still great to help with the graphics-wise of these cars. Of course, these are some of the oldest cars that iRacing has had. So it's good to see them going back to update them. Speaking of another update, Indianapolis Motor Speedway, the Oval Circuit. Got a little bit of a laser scan update as well. So that's a great new addition to see for Indy. Of course, recently we just got the update to the road course not too long ago. So Indianapolis finally getting everything taken care of. Now we just need to get the dirt track that's right there smack dab in the middle of the circuit. Yeah, I can't wait to see how that plays out. Of course, Indianapolis Motor Speedway, I was excited to see some of the new scan data. Notice some of the differences a bit with some of the looks of the racetrack for the road course side. And having that additional now data for the oval, I think, is going to change a little bit of the aspects for how you drive them, Taylor, because that means older racetrack conditions compared to the previous scan data from 2009 that may impact some of the tire where you have to think for some of the future races the interesting thing is just the indycar oval of course nascar currently on the road course so that's to be understandable why it's just the indycar oval added in terms of the new scan data it certainly is quite a little bit interesting we'll have to get some more information on why strategically the indycar oval of course you know, since it's just the, it should just be considered the oval. The only difference possibly I can think of is the pit road entry and exit. Yes. Yeah. So that just shows, I think, maybe a sign of which way NASCAR may be leaning. Let's put it that way for the Indianapolis for next year for now. It certainly seems to be the case. A couple of other updates. AI racing has been accessed and added on for nine additional cars and 13 additional tracks. The cars include the entire GTE class, which includes the Porsche 911 RSR, the Ferrari 488, the Ford GT, the BMW M8, and the Chevrolet C8R, the Lotus 79, all three of the NASCAR Next Gen Cup cars, and then a total of 13 different tracks also, such as Canadian Tire Motorsports Park, both configurations of the 24 Hours of Le Mans of Circuit de la Sarthe, Indianapolis Motor Speedway as well, all four of the Motorsports Arena Oshleben circuits, 
And, of course, the Nürburgring Combined Circuit, which is the 24-hour layout, the VLN, and, of course, their Grand Prix Circuit, and the Ritz-Kogan Motor Center. Of course, going to help with those who prefer to race against the AI or train with the AI in turn to be able to learn how to handle the racetracks in the midst of traffic. Already have seen when it comes to the next-gen cars, drivers from the service, already starting their YouTube series saying, let's make my own career mode using the AI. And and that's going to be something I, I'm going to be keeping an eye on in terms of creativity, obviously. But also, it's something where people are wanting to try it and try and build their own stories. And the only previous option, if you're on the computer or PC, is go back and download the 2003 version and download a bunch of mods. Now you can do it on iRacing with the newest data, newest cars, newest updated data. And in turn, there's already sets of next-gen AI for the 2022 season on the service. It certainly is, but if you think about it also, Justin, regarding this, a lot of the eNASCAR drivers, as well as those in the Road to Pro, utilize the AI to test. They actually will create a race session for them to race against their competitors of course they can hike up the rating of the drivers that they go up against in order to make it more difficult to see where they stack up against maybe you know certain ratings of drivers certain styles of drivers and go head to head with them and race a full distance race if they need to so this is really a big help for them as far as when it comes to training to preparing for these next gen events for the e-nascar coca-cola iRacing series as well as for those who are competing in the Road to Pro Qualifiers and then those who will compete in the Contender Series. It's going to be helpful, absolutely, especially for those, say, in smaller outfits that might not have as many numbers compared to some of their competitors. They might be able to say, okay, let's make an AI session, be able to get 20 or 30 or 40 trucks or cars onto the racetrack, test that way. So it's a good... An absolute good tool that I just mentioned in terms of learning the racetracks and learning that data if you don't have the numbers. Certainly is the case here, and also it helps to prevent and protect those who are wanting to not lose some eye rating during these races and the events that lay ahead before the week of that major special championship race. That's something that's always a major talking point, you gotta think, right? So you have to be careful when it comes to that, and in turn... Going to be interesting how it all plays out down the line for a few different cases, to say the understatement. Keep in mind, they have to be very careful in terms of some of the qualifying, as there has been adjustments to qualifying scrutiny, which it no longer triggers a full disqualification, interesting enough, Taylor, on the second offense, and it's no longer a two-part system. In our words... You basically are forced to reset no matter what. That's going to make things interesting for qualifying because that was a factor I've noticed for a few drivers in the qualifying series. The furrow black flag, though, will be a major thing because a lot of drivers managed to trigger that, to be quite frank. It certainly is the case here. Of course, we are going to take our final commercial break, but when we come back, we will preview what's to come here on the world of iRacing. You are listening to the iRacers download from the SpeedSport Podcast Studio, powered by MyRacePass. Welcome back to the iRacers download from the SpeedSport Podcast Studio, powered by MyRacePass, as we preview some of the events that are up and coming here starting next week on the iRacing service. 
Kicking things off, of course, is going to be on Monday night as the World of Outlaws Butt Kicker Late Model Series heads off to their next round after a couple of weeks off as we head to the hallowed grounds of the Knoxville Raceway. And so far, it's been the Evan C. and Blake Majula show. Those two drivers have been outright dominant. All five victories going their direction so far in terms of the stretch outside of Hayden Cardwell, I should say, picking up one who's 19th in the points, however. It's been the C. Majula show. And the question is, can anyone break up that show when it comes to Knoxville? It's going to be a tough one. I mean, Knoxville is that hallowed ground with these late models that we see here. Of course, more well-known for the sprint cars, but the late models do have a chance to go out there and race. But Evan C. and Blake Vajulis have just been the dominant cars all season long. Nobody, not even former series champions such as Alex Bergeron and Hayden Cardwell, have been able to come close to the speeds of what we've seen from Evan and Blake. Exactly, and it's going to be difficult to try and beat them. Dylan Yeager showed some good consistency, though, to be able to keep up with them with his three top fives and six top tens. As well as Kendall Tucker, we've talked a lot about his speed. There are some candidates to be able to move up there, but seeing Majulis are making it very difficult to be able to find a way around. They have combined for more than 460 lead laps for a reason. It's certainly going to be interesting. Catch all the action Monday, September the 12th at 9 p.m. Only on iRacing streaming services and on Dirt Vision. From that, we head to the Bristol Motor Speedway for the eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series to kick off race number one of the 2022 eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series playoffs. Two drivers will be eliminated at the end of the event, and this is going to be one that's exciting and also one that is going to be full of drama, I would have to say. Yeah, the E-NASCAR Coca-Cola Racing Series is going to have a very stressful time, I think, when it comes to Bristol. Talked about it a bit with Michael Conti in particular in this episode. Bristol could be a bit of a crazy race because we've seen the leader in a couple cases get involved in some trouble. And with some of the traffic, that will be critical next race. It certainly will be. Of course, catch all the action starting at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time when we see Countdown to Green. And then the race kicks off at 9 p.m. Also, the eNASCAR Qualifying Series will head to the Bristol Dirt Track as they will get down and dirty with the trucks, as we will see how that championship will progress through the season. A lot of drivers are really showcasing some talent, Joey Brown being one of them, Parker White, and a couple of drivers who we are now didn't really see in the round one, really showcasing some speed and talent here at the end of round two. Yeah, the dirt race is going to bring out different talent sets, though, Taylor, and that's going to be the major thing, is who's going to be able to get the job done that's a major question because there's so much that you have to do differently to be able to build that type of racetrack. So there's so much to discuss. If you're a team, there's so much preparation for the dirt. Certainly is. Catch all the action of both Split A and Split B on both Podium Esports and on FTF. Finally, in other news, the eNASCAR College iRacing Series will be kicking off on September the 20th from the Homestead Miami Speedway. $60,000 in scholarship pool has been expanded for the next two semesters here for drivers competing in this amazing NACE Star League event. And of course, it is going to be utilizing the NASCAR Xfinity cars that will be able to compete 40 eligible drivers. And for those who are in college right now, 
anybody, and I mean anybody, as long as you're currently still in college, can go and compete in this event as long as you go out there and set a time in the eNASCAR College iRacing Series Time Attack, which is currently going on right now till September the 15th. It's going to be the question mark of who's going to be able to qualify their way on four through that. So that's going to be interesting. Who ends up making a name for themselves? Already seen a lot of schools already pick up support in terms of who they're going to work with in terms of their camps to be able to get themselves there. But Homestead Miami Speedway, Auto Club Speedway, the Charlotte Roval, Nashville, all skill tracks when you consider things, all tracks that will bring different skill sets in a couple of cases in turnout. All of them bring in different racing. And keep in mind, the dates when you look forward towards them are now Tuesday's Taylor rather than the Thursdays. So pretty much it's going to be kind of flip-flopping between that and the eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing series that it will be sharing on Tuesday with. But of course, another thing to mention, we have to talk about, Justin, in the world of NASCAR. Of course, it all really got kicked off here on the world of iRacing thanks to its executive producer, Dale Earnhardt Jr., North Wilkesboro is now going to host a NASCAR event after many decades away from the NASCAR schedule as it will be host for the 2023 NASCAR All-Star event. I got to say, Justin, this is something all of us, I have to say, have been excited about ever since Dale Jr. got down with the Smith family and asked him, hey, let's go and go out to the North Wilkesboro. We don't know if it'll ever get used again, but at least scan it and put it on the iRacing service, and look at the growth that it has began to show to where now the NASCAR Cup Series, at this moment, will host an event next year in 2023. It's amazing, to say the very least, to see the track make a return to the NASCAR schedule. I don't think anyone would have expected this five years ago. Nobody would have expected it even a couple years ago. But with the way NASCAR is changing... And the way drivers and fans want to see things go, North Wilkesboro returning to the schedule is absolutely huge for the All-Star race. They have a lot of work to put in, though, Taylor. Let's put it that way. For the preparation for that, it's a huge chance for the racetrack. It certainly is a big chance, and we're excited to see it happen here. And we, of course, can't thank the people at NASCAR. Of course, the Smith family, as well as also Dale Earnhardt Jr. for working together to where, and as well as iRacing even, to work together to be able to do something that's so amazing that's about to kick off a new era and a new age for NASCAR racing. And what a way to bring in that range. You have, of course, Chicago Street Circuit talked about as well. A lot of things changing, let's put it that way, for 2023. Certainly have to agree with you on that. And of course, if you're looking for something to watch over the weekend in the world of esports competition, uh, Race Spot TV is going to be hosting a special event. It's called the Bragging Rights 2. That's right, there's been one already that's happened before. But the Bragging Rights 2, as the biggest names of commenters, commentators on the iRacing service, will battle it out for three different races for three different styles of racing, as this race will be utilizing the street stocks at the Charlotte Motor Speedway, the Pro 2 lights over at Crandon, and the iRacing Formula 4 at the Rutzkogen Motor Center. It's going to be exciting. A lot of drivers who are from all across different broadcasting groups will be out there to compete in this event. So I got to say, is going to be exciting. I'm competing in it. A lot of big names are competing in this event. 
So if you're looking for something to watch over the weekend, go check out Racebot TV. It should be about, for those on the East Coast, noonish, I believe. It's 4 UTC, so that's 4 British time. So, Justin, can we get a double check on the time for that? Well, Taylor, that will be around noon Eastern time, give or take, in terms of that respective time to start. So a lot to consider when it comes to that mark. Who's going to be the best sim racing broadcaster on the racetrack is the huge question. Well, we'll take a look at some of those names as I'll look, pull it up right quick. Uh, myself is going to be competing in it, representing iRacing.com. Evan Pasoko, the voice of the eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing series. You have drivers from the Apex Racing team, such as Tim Cox, as well as Sam Fitzpatrick, Kevin McAdams, Joseph Tevin, and Zach Johnson from FTF. DJ Clark and Joe Peak from the GSRC family. Dustin Logson from Nerditudes, Nerd TV. From the Pitstop TV, Andrew Cardinal and Zachary Mertes. From Race Spot, you'll have drivers such as Tyler Maxson, Terry Radford, and of course, Stefan Schlocker. And then so many more from SimSpeed. You have Cameron Dance and Bo Albert. And of course, Adam Thompson from Slow Motion TV. And Fina Duncha from Sim TV. So a mixed variety of drivers from all over the world competing for a good cause and to have a little bit of bragging rights in this event. Fortunately, not able to compete myself for that. I really was looking forward to trying to see if I could showcase what I could do against them, but I think that's going to be a very talented field. Commentators. With a lot of craziness, probably along the way, to say the very least. The question is, which, which broadcasting group can prove to be the best of the best on the racetrack? It's going to be exciting. Catch all the action at noon Eastern on Saturday, only on Race Spot TV. With that, it is time that we say good, goodbye to everyone. For, of course, our special guest, Michael Conti, for our producer, Richard Colbreth, for my co-host, Justin Prince, I'm Taylor Burris. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the iRacers Download from the Speedsport Podcast Studio, powered by My Race Pass. <laughs>